welcome back to Jacob's Cabin. This is Anna in Indiana, your host. I'm so glad you've come back here again to join us. And I say us because Denise is here with me already. We, de <laughs> we decided that since um, my schedule moved around some and we get to record this earlier than normal and we have been recording my segment with Denise first, actually, before the other things and I was just leaving it in its normal spot that... Um, Denise would just help me start off the show, and we would just have our discussion together, and then Denise will probably go home and go to bed so she can get up and go to work, and I will stay up and do the feedback. So, um, that's the plan for today. So, Denise, how are you? I'm good. How about you? I am doing well, also. What do you think of Dead is Dead? Best episode of the whole series so far. Whole series? Yeah. Like, wow. Not totally, just whole season. Yeah, I totally forgot to breathe in certain parts. Me too. And... Oh my god, I'm so incredibly glad that I am completely spoiler-free. I don't watch previews, I don't do anything, so I had no expectations for that. I didn't know what was coming at all. Mm. It was totally worth waiting, and knowing that everyone else had, you know, kind of known what was coming and I knew nothing made it totally worth it. So what was the most surprising thing to you? I don't know. There were so many different things, but watching Caesar just get shot in the oh, chest, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I had no idea that was coming, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, I actually yelled out loud. It was very, very surprising. Yeah. I just thought it was almost like if you dreamed everything that you would want in an episode, and then they made your dream. That was pretty much last night's episode. Yeah. That's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. All right, so I think we're going to start with Ben, since that was the beginning of the episode. Young Ben. Um, he's laying there in the tent. And so we see a little bit more of the others and what their kind of society is like. We see the whole um, Widmore versus Alpert. I mean, the way they interacted was really interesting. Um, Alpert saying, I don't answer to you, basically, and saying, this is what the island wanted. And Jacob wanted me to save this kid. Did you think that was really the truth? I mean, because every time someone says, Jacob sent me or Jacob wanted me to do this, it seems like... Well, we don't know that Jacob really sent them at all. They just seem to be giving that as an excuse. And how are they talking to Jacob about everything? Exactly. <clears throat> I mean, is Jacob hanging out in the back of the camp since he doesn't have a cabin yet? Yeah. I mean, they seem to know what Jacob thinks about absolutely everything. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, I'm not sure how they know. And then, um, so Ben's in the tent. So I thought he would be healed instantly, you know? Mm -hmm. Like Locke, when Locke woke up and wasn't a paralytic anymore. I thought it was going to be something like that, but Ben's laying there. He has the bandage around his chest still. He seems to be really weak, so why do you think he didn't heal, you know, automatically? Well, it seems like Ben takes longer to heal on the island. You know, after surgery, he for his back, he took longer to heal. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe for other people, it seems like Locke gets healed very quickly, but Ben, it seems like, has to kind of suffer through and huh. heal for a while. Because, you know, after surgery, he couldn't get up and around very well. And after this, getting shot in probably the lungs, it's taking him a while to recover from that, too. So I wonder if that might mean anything, you know? Like the island hasn't really chosen him? Uh-huh. So maybe Richard's just making it up, saying, this is what Jacob wants? Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So do you think that Jacob's will, or maybe the will of the island, I'm not really sure like how the two are interrelated or not, or if it's the same thing, but do you think that has anything to do with how quickly or how slowly people heal? I think it definitely could, because, you know, whenever um, Jack has to have his appendix out 
first of all, why did he get sick? Mm-hmm. And second of all, you know, he was he was seeping and oozing from the surgery afterwards. And if the island heals as fast as, you know, we think it is supposed to, he is kind of healing slower than what we would think. That's true, because, like, when John Locke got shot, when Ben shot him and left him in the pit of Dharma people, mm-hmm. he seemed to heal pretty quickly. Like, he bled a little bit, but then he was up and walking around. And, of course, his kidney was gone. But, you know, still, getting shot there... Yeah, it's still going to go through muscle and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it should do a lot of damage, and it should really, like, hinder you from walking around and acting like everything's normal. And yet, within, I don't know, maybe 24 hours, he's back with everybody else. He's walking around to the cabin and then to the orchid and then moving the donkey wheel. I mean, this is all happening within a few days' time. Mm -hmm. And we never see that wound again. After he pulled up his shirt that one time... And showed the wound to people to say, no, look, he shot me and it went right here. Yeah, and plus, I mean, after he breaks his tibia going down into the well, and he goes back to Tunisia, gets fixed up, the fact that he's in the walking cast so fast is clearly healing way faster than he should. Mm. You know? So, I mean, it's still not instant healing, but that's pretty serious. But I think the, the speeding up of the healing is showing that I think Jacob wants Locke. Yeah. And the other person that we know that Jacob wants apparently is Ben. And so this episode was really cool because we got to see Ben through the ages, basically. We saw Ben with young Ethan, so that kind of dates that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Rousseau, so 1988 with the baby. And then we saw him a little later, and we saw him as a young boy. I mean, it was really... Really interesting, I thought, to see Ben at all these different ages, even though his hair was bad. Oh, the toupee was horrible. I, oh, it was bad. It was really bad. So he says that he knew Locke would be alive, right? That's his exclamation. Oh, I knew it. I knew you'd live. Do you believe it? I don't even know what to believe anymore. And, you know, he's talking about how it's one thing to believe it and it's another thing to know it. You know, it... it Oh, yeah, that really struck me because it went totally against the Doubting Thomas story that he told in the church. Uh Because the story was Thomas wouldn't believe it until he actually could touch it. And I thought, oh, wow, Ben's got a lot of faith, you know. He's got faith in the island. Yep. He's got all this settled in his own mind. But then he's showing us really clearly through what he said there, he doesn't have it said at all. He has to actually see it to believe it, and can't just have faith that it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it totally went against what he said in the church. We're all convinced eventually. Yeah. And, I mean, you can see just the surprise in his face when he wakes up. I mean, he is just completely confounded, I think. He doesn't know what's going on at first. You know, he might not even be sure if he truly is alive or if he's dead. You mean himself, personally. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of whenever um, Locke said, welcome back to the land of the living. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, that might be something that if you woke up in heaven or hell, you might hear that potentially, (laughs) depending on where you ended up and who you ended up with. But, um, yeah, I just found that to be really weird, the way he acted when he woke up. It, It kind of made me wonder a little bit, did all of these new memories sort of pop into his head right then? I don't think he's making new memories at this point. Well, you know, like, you know how Desmond woke up with the memory. Right, right. I just think that what happened in Ben's past happened in Ben's past, and the people aren't interrupting it and making new memories, because that would change the entire timeline of Ben um, being shot and getting healed and how that Mm -hmm. all happened. And I don't think something that big 
could really change. I mean, Desmond's memory was more something that it was it was knowledge yeah. added to him. I mean, it was something that happened where he interacted with Faraday, but it was just knowledge that he was gaining and not something that really actually changed him in any sort of physical way mm-hmm. or, you know, had to do with life and death. So how much do you think that Ben doesn't remember since he woke up and he wasn't sure what was going on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, maybe the time surrounding the shooting and then the time in the temple. And he seems to know later, like, oh, they took me to the temple. Mm-hmm. This is where they brought me, but... Somebody think, probably just told him that yeah, part, Yeah, I mean, though. he's laying there in the bed, and Charles is talking to him, and Albert's around, and all these other people are around. They'd have to explain to him, okay, don't be afraid. You're here because we brought you here because you were hurt, and now you're healed. But they wouldn't have to tell him all the details of why he got shot. They would just say, yeah, we took you to our temple, and this is what happened to you. Yeah, I think that um, he just has short-term memory loss just from the time right around the accident. Yeah. Because he remembers what his father's like and how much he doesn't want to go back there. Exactly. So I think that he just kind of, you know, has a few missing days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and that's, that's, about I think it. that's likely. And I wonder if, you know, since we know that the smoke monster judges, do you think that the smoke monster, by definition, won't judge a child and just heal them? Maybe. Maybe. Because he knows at that point that young Ben is, you know, basically completely innocent. And, I mean, we don't know that Smokey healed him, but we kind of are assuming that, you know? Right. But we actually didn't see the temple temple, and Richard took him through the wall and not mm-hmm. underneath it. So what I want to know is what does the actual temple look like? Oh, I know. I want to know so badly. <laughs> and what actually happens there? Because this is there something else in the temple? Not mm-hmm. Smokey, you know, maybe Smokey's around the perimeter and down in the hole and stuff. Well, yeah, because he's like a security system. Right, right, which doesn't make sense. What's the security system doing judging people when they're not even trying to get into the temple? Or is the temple representative of, like, the spirit of the island? And so it's the whole, are you allowed to stay on the island? You know, Ben was surprised to come out alive. Mm-hmm. I like that idea, I have to say. Did you think that Ben might die during the episode? Not really. See, I don't know. I was kind of thinking that he might. And I heard another podcast, I think it was on Big O's show, someone saying that showing the kind of progression of Ben's life reminded them of the Greatest Hits episode with Charlie before he died. You know, because it was kind of showing, here's your life, and then showing all the clips. You know, that, that kind of made me think of if your life was flashing before your eyes right before you died. Yeah. Maybe it was literally flashing right before his eyes on Smokey. Huh. So I thought that there was a chance that he could die. I didn't even think of that. I guess they faked you out. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we don't watch spoilers. (laughs) Exactly. Now, Ben really seemed to be manipulating people right and left in this episode. Now, of course, he does that all the time, but it was really obvious when he was doing it to Caesar... When mm-hmm. they were having that conversation and Locke was standing behind them in the water, he was trying to make Caesar suspicious of Locke, and then he later used that to get the gun and then to turn the gun on Caesar and really have an excuse to shoot him, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and he was also manipulating John, trying to get John to do what he wanted and go where he wanted to go. And then, of course, John was um, on the opposite side, trying to get Ben to do what he thought Ben should be doing, uh-huh. which, you know, Ben was really reluctant. Did you see the looks on Ben's face every time John was like, no, we have something to do, right, Ben? We're going somewhere. And he's I like, I could kill you. I don't want to go to the temple. He looked like a pouting little kid almost. Like, I want to do it my way because that's the way it is. Yeah. 
Oh, and um, when he was talking to Danielle, he was very manipulative uh-huh. in that scene. Um, I think partially just to save himself the trouble by telling her that every time she hears the whisper, she should run the other direction. I mean, that's partly for her safety. I mean, it's not going to be good if she runs into the others, but partly so that she can't follow them back to him and partly so that they don't know that he let her live in case that, you know, hadn't come out in the open. Do you think that that confirms that the whispers are the others? Uh, They're caused by them or have Mm -hmm. some connection to them, yes. I don't know how. I don't know if they actually just speak them or if it's like the atmosphere around them just like exudes whispers as they move. Ooh. That's kind of neat, actually. Like, maybe there's something so weird and different about them that it disturbs the air around, and it maybe distorts their voices or something. Maybe. I don't know. I just keep thinking of the scene when Harper appears last season to Juliet. Because I thought Harper was just a normal person, but I don't really know. Yeah. You know? And I don't know if it makes a difference whether you were born on the island or off the island. And, of course, some people have speculated that the whispers are used for travel, but, you know... I think that people also travel silently around the island. You know, um, what was it, in season two, they saw the kids walk by, and they saw some of the others walk by barefoot. And I I think barefoot travel would be pretty quiet. I think you could sneak up on people. So I don't know, like, if Harper would have done that, or if she actually somehow, like, transported herself via the whispers. Even if you're traveling barefoot, though, there's leaves everywhere. True. And you'd have to pass by the leaves, unless you were made of smoke. Like on the Smoky Train Express, if you were taking that to travel. Yeah, but it doesn't always run on schedule. I know, but Locke knows where to find it. Exactly. Now, speaking of funny lines from the episode, Denise, what lies in the shadow of the statue? Probably something that smells like carrots. So you think it was a code phrase? I think so. Yeah. Because why else would you ask somebody something that out of the blue and weird? And ask it repeatedly. Yeah. You know, like, you need to tell us the answer or we're going to hit you over the head with our guns because we don't trust you, obviously. And that's not something that somebody who's not in the know could just make up and get right. Exactly. And where are they going? Because they seem to be mobilizing. They said, we'll take him with us, tie him up. We're all heading out. Where are they going? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out if Alana's working for Widmore or if she's her own team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wonder if some of them, at least, are heading over to the Big Island because, um, think back to the shooting scene on the uh, the two boats, when our lawsuits were flashing through time, mm-hmm. um, and who was shooting at them. I mean, obviously now we see they have guns. Yep. Um, they probably took those boats and crossed over. I mean, Frank brought one boat back. So, so there's two. There's two. They could take those. They have their Ajira water bottles. It's all starting to fit together, except for that strange silver box. And the fact that the water bottle Ben drank out of was not an Ajira water bottle. Was it not? No, it was blue and looked completely different. Oh, I thought it was an Ajira one. But anyways, there's no way that they could take that huge metal box on one of those little boats. Oh, no way, yeah. It's not even remotely possible. So are they going to take something out of the box? I don't know. Leave it there? I mean, is it like base camp and one person's going to set up there and have radios and stuff? Or, I mean, it looked big enough to be a coffin... Which is kind of what I thought, but then I was like, okay, why would they pack somebody in a coffin? What if it's a sarcophagus to go along with the Egyptian theme and everything? Whoa. Like, maybe there's, you know, a coffin inside, and then maybe the inside of that box is all carved in hieroglyphs, like a sarcophagus would be? Huh, that's an interesting thought. I thought it was interesting that they were 
they were um, putting poles through the hooks so they could mm-hmm. carry it on poles. That's a lot like the Ark of the Covenant in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Indiana Jones, but that works too. <laughs> well, yes, Indiana Jones, who you know <laughs> borrowed the idea from the Bible. <laughs> um, hence archaeology. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, the Ark of the Covenant, they weren't supposed to touch it because it was holy, and so they carried it on poles. Mm-hmm. And the poles were stuck through little hooks, exactly like what they were doing. So it, it definitely reminded me of that. I thought of that right away. And I wonder what's in the box. I mean, if it is a sarcophagus, then maybe that's something potentially holy that they're not supposed to touch. What if it's Jacob's remains? Whoa. And they're bringing them back to the island to reanimate them? Uh Uh-huh. Or they just have to bring them back for some reason. Because in the Bible, Jacob and Joseph both had their remains brought out of Egypt when they died. Because that wasn't the promised land. So that's not where they wanted to be. They wanted to be in the land that God had promised to them. So um, when Joseph went down to Egypt, all his family moved down there with him. And his father did too, but he was getting pretty old. And he said, um, he made Joseph swear not to let him be buried in Egypt. So they embalmed him in Egypt. And um, here in um, Genesis, it said it took like 40 days. They embalmed him. They mourned for him. And then they took his bones and they went out of Egypt and buried them somewhere else. And um, the same thing for Joseph. When the Israelites, 400 years later, left Egypt to go to the Promised Land, they took Joseph's remains with them. So there's a father and a son. One of them happens to be named Jacob. And they're taking their remains out of Egypt, which obviously we have a lot of Egypt connections here. So what do you think? That my brain has just exploded and you are incredible. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a it's a very clear biblical connection, I think. From oh this yeah, episode. and I mean, this whole season is all biblical connections. Yeah. yeah, and I'm very glad that you have the Bible Wikipedia inside your brain. <laughs> well, <laughs> but then if these remains are being brought back, who are they doing it for? Are they doing it for Widmore? Are they doing it for Jacob himself, or who are they working for? I don't know. I kind of think that Alana might be doing this all for her own team. Like, but what does she have to gain from it, and how does she know about the island? Who knows? Maybe that's like, that's another one of Woodmore's daughters or something. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, you know, we know that he had Penny with somebody who was off the island. Right. What's to say he didn't have more than one daughter off the island? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, that would just be incredibly crazy, but all bets are off. Anything can happen, you know? Right. And speaking of huge metal box, how did they get that on the plane? That's way too big for a regular passenger to check. Mm-hmm. It's not like you just take that up to the luggage counter and say, here you go, put that on flight 316. Right. I mean, they had to have been the ones in charge of that flight. Like, that flight had to be specifically reserved for them, made for them to have something that big transported on it. That's a good point. And how did they even get it from the plane to that spot if they were just putting the poles in it then? Yeah, maybe that's where it fell, where it landed. But they were so far away from the plane, though. Because mm-hmm. you could see the plane behind them in that shot. And it yep. was a good, I don't know, thousand feet away or so. Yeah. My I husband was, um, was thinking that it looked something like a large metal storage crate or a, a, or a gun case. But I don't think that it had guns. No, I bet they found the guns around the, the, the Hydra station. Because they had gun lockers and stuff in there. I mean, yeah. Jack found those guns that one time. Yeah, and that, speaking of guns, that made me kind of think of, you know, the whole Caesar getting shot right in the chest thing. Mm-hmm. When did Ben take the gun from him? Yeah, they didn't really show us. They kind He's of glossed like over that. He's like an expert pickpocket. Apparently. You know? 
But I think that maybe he shot Caesar because he knows that if Caesar has his gun, that Caesar was going through his desk and he doesn't want him to find something that he shouldn't be seeing. Mm, so he saw him as a threat and decided to just take care of him right uh-huh. off the bat. And then all the thuggish guys around him would, would know not to mess with Ben. Yeah. So apparently, like, killing people like this doesn't really matter to the smoke monster. Because, I mean, he only got judged for one thing, but think mm-hmm. of all the things that Ben has done. Why does he only get judged for one thing? Maybe red shirts don't matter? Maybe. If you don't have but, a name, you don't count? But if baby Alex matters, or supposedly matters, to uh-huh. Jacob and to the island, then why wouldn't why wouldn't these other people matter? Well, maybe baby Alex matters because of Rousseau. Because baby Alex was, you know, almost about to be born when Rousseau was around the sickness with Montand in his arm and Robert mm-hmm. and everything and them going crazy. Maybe, you know, Smokey kind of saw her almost as a witness to it. Huh. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Montand and the other men who went down below, do you think they all got judged somehow? I don't know. Because they all came back out, right? Except for Montand. Yeah. And they were expect. obviously very different afterwards. Yeah. But... Do you think Ben's going to act very differently? I don't know. I mean, know. he swore the oath. He swore the oath to obey John Locke, to follow John Locke. Yeah. And, of course, the confrontation with Alex was pretty intense. I mean, she was not... Obviously, she was not Alex Alex. She was... She looked like demon Alex. Yeah, she was angry, and she was, I think, a complete manifestation of the smoke monster. Mm-hmm. Just in a form that could communicate with him. Yeah. I loved watching Smokey come out of the vent... Oh man, it was it was like a waterfall of black smoke coming out and it's just swirling around him and I was sitting there on pins and needles like, "Oh my god, could this get any better?" Mm-hmm. You know, and then just watching the smoke swirl around him even though the CGI wasn't perfect, but hey, you know, we can't all be the best effects artists in the world or whatever. But I still thought it was awesome. Yeah. But just watching his life kind of flash before his eyes like that Someone on another podcast I heard mentioned that that reminded them of the Wizard of Oz. All the little scenes flashing by whenever the house is spinning in the tornado. Mm -hmm. And we know that this show has tons to do with the Wizard of Oz. Right. So I liked kind of that little tie-in there. Yeah. But, oh, of course, you know, what everyone's thinking. What about the hieroglyph of Anubis and the smoke monster with the skull on it? Yeah. I, I I almost jumped out of my seat. (laughs) <laughs> I was just so hyper last night. Yeah, so we finally figured it out. I, it I'm pretty I mean, sure that's Anubis. Yeah. But I cannot wait till people start analyzing all those hieroglyphs. Oh, I know. I mean, I don't have the time to do that. I wish I did, but... Yeah, I saw Doc Arce tweeted something about it a couple hours ago. Like, some Egyptologist had kind of went, gone through the symbols and, mm-hmm. and analyzed them a little bit. So maybe we'll have to find that later. Yeah, I need to make sure that it's in a completely spoiler-free area. <laughs> Because, especially after how great last night was, I really don't want any spoilers at all. Yeah. I, I actually, love not knowing what's coming. I actually watched the preview last night. I was really excited afterwards. I know. I turned it off, like, half a second, and I was like, flip the channel. Don't want to see it. Yep. It takes willpower, for sure. It does. It does. But I think it's worth it. Sometimes it's worth it. <laughs> All right, well, we're about ready to go into feedback, but there's one piece of feedback um, that we need to go through while you're still here. It's a, um, not quite a voicemail, it's a, it's a voice clip, 
and um, it's pretty self-explanatory, so here it is. Anna? Denise? Are you in here? Oh, hey, um, well, I figured I'd stop by Jacob's Cabin and leave an audio comment because I very rarely do so, and I really love this podcast, and it's one of the first that I listen to every week. I'd like to get your thoughts on Locke. What do you think is going on with John Locke? I just had the feeling tonight the episode kind of showed a difference in John Locke, and a specific quote that I want to quote is Ben saying, when did you get this knowledge? Did it come gradually, or was it instant? Now, one could assume that this is actually Ben's way of telling Locke that this is that he knew this would happen, um, or just Ben directly telling the audience that this is what's happening to Locke. Uh, there, of course, the writers have different ways of communicating that information to us, but it does seem like Locke is getting this knowledge, and it looks like it's coming over time. Now, with Christian Shepherd, we saw him immediately after the crash talk to Vincent, and one would assume that he just instantly had this knowledge. But we really don't know that. So what I'm asking you, I guess, is what's going on with Locke? Is it Locke? I mean, I have a far out there theory that, you know, they found this guy out in the water. They never found a coffin or anything. What if that's not Locke? What if the Locke that we're seeing isn't Locke? What if real Locke is either dead somewhere or somewhere else? You know, we really don't know. And they're kind of hinting that this guy kind of appeared out of nowhere. Um, I just think it's very interesting, and the fact, that, of course, that we never see Locke and any kind of form of the smoke monster or the smoke monster itself at the same time. Now, that might have been done on purpose. I don't know. I'm not one of the writers, but um, it did seem like they were hinting at something for a while there, and you can't deny Locke's flat-out knowledge that he has, which is way more knowledge than even season one Locke appeared to have. Um, one of the most notable scenes would be Locke discovering that Jen was in the past, and not two seconds later, he said to stick with him, and he had a few ideas. So how does he have any idea what to do? Even if he had found out that Jen was in the past two months ago, how does he know what to do? Uh, just wanted to toss that idea off you guys, and I'm going to go ahead and get out of Jacob's cabin. Uh, I hope I can find my way out, because I know the cabin likes to move around. Thanks for stopping by the cabin, Donald. We know it's hard to find Jacob's cabin because it moves around so much, but, you know, we're glad you found it with you being on the island and all. Thanks for stopping by and paying us a visit. Denise, what do you think? Wow, there's so much to start with, I but um, I guess the difference in Locke, when does he get the knowledge? Mm -hmm. I think that maybe the knowledge was imparted when he was resurrected. Like, when he gets resurrected, all that knowledge kind of appears to him in some way, shape, or form. So I think that that's a function of, you know, being different and being a new, we don't even know, semi-mortal, half-mortal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're basing this on the assumption that he rose, but Donald also brought up the point, is this really Locke, or is it basically just an apparition? Is it a manifestation of the smoke monster? Is Locke's body still in the casket somewhere? Did it fall into the ocean? Um, did it fall into the jungle? Is this really Locke himself? I mean, we're, we are sort of assuming that, 
he seems to have the personality of Locke, except slightly altered, you know? He seems to be smiling a lot. He tells Sun that he's exactly the same as he always has been. Right? So he makes that claim. Uh-huh. Whether or not that's true or not. I mean, he does... I don't know. He does seem to be a little bit more smiley. And even though he's always been, for the most part, a pretty calm and peaceful sort of guy, uh-huh. he seems to almost have a different calm about him now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it really showed, I think, when he was on the dock with Ben and he made the joke about, well, you wouldn't want me to die twice or something. I mean, I yeah. think it's partly because he's been through the death experience and he's sort of feeling like, oh, well, I've come out on the other side. So, I don't know, maybe he sort of feels immortal because of that. And that also makes me think of whenever they're sitting in Ben's office talking about and talking about everything and John Locke's like, so, elephant in the room. yeah. I mean, it would take a special kind of person, I think, to be able to talk about that calmly. Like, so, why'd you strangle me? Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, um, going back to the knowledge thing, um, and how, how is he going to know how to get back to Jin? How is he going to know how to help Sun? Where is John Law getting this knowledge? My guess is that he is going to have to end up turning the wheel again somehow. And since he already knows what happened when he turned the wheel once, uh-huh. basically, I think that that's probably how he's going to get them back there. Either they're going to pop back to the 70s, or everyone in the 70s is going to pop back to now. Huh. I'm kind of hoping they have to go to the temple for it, though. I guess I just want to see the temple, but... Maybe in the temple there's a different sort of time-changing apparatus. Yeah. And we really do not know what's in the temple. Yeah, we don't know what it looks like. Nope. We don't know anything. Nope. It could be a little tent for all we know. <laughs> you know, like the others live in. Or it could be like the biggest, grandest palace looking mm-hmm. thing ever. Or a sphinx. That'd be Ooh, pretty or cool. Or a sphinx or a pyramid. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Or a really neat obelisk. Mm-hmm. I've always liked those. And they tend to have hieroglyphs carved on them, I believe. So when they're at the temple, and really when they're anywhere on the island... Locke and the smoke monster don't appear at the same time. Mm-hmm. This is very suspicious. Now, I mean, that's obviously just a new revelation since being resurrected. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't notice that until I was listening to Heath and Miss Wendy's initial reaction last night. Uh-huh. But now that I rewatched it this afternoon, they really aren't ever in the same place. No. And um, even when Locke came out of the jungle... Um, after Ben went down into the chamber and, as some people have said, <laughs> the smoky toilet. Because <laughs> um, it looked like he was basically pulling a plug, unplugging a drain, and the water yep. just drained out. That was kind of anticlimactic, actually. I was sort of disappointed. But I wonder where the water's going. Like, do you think that maybe mm. where if the water leaves, then that means, if needed, Smokey can come up through his little toilet drain? But he didn't the other time that Ben summoned him. Well, he just came basically out of the jungle. He can summon him, but he can't tell him where to come from. Yeah, but he seems to think that he can tell him where he'll be, because he was like, well, I'll be outside. Yeah. Just an idea. I mean, yeah. we don't know how Smokey operates or how he decides where he's going to be when. I mean, John knows somehow. Yeah. Maybe because John is him. Um, yeah. And it was really interesting, the comment that Ben made. I can't control what's coming out of the jungle, and what comes out of the jungle? John Locke. Mm-hmm. And now he really can't control him, because he swore to Alex that 
he would follow him and obey him. Yep. So he can't control him whatsoever. Which is good, I think. Yeah. Good for Locke. He'll be able to do the things he needs to do and help Sun, and hopefully Ben won't be getting in the way. Yeah, Ben kind of needs a taste of his own medicine of, you know, being kept in the dark. Yeah. And as for questions, John Locke was asking so many good questions in this episode, and he actually got answers to a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really great. That was really great for us as the viewers to finally get some of those answers. Um, But the questions specifically that really interested me that Locke asked were... um, this is your office? Isn't this a little corporate for the yeah. leader of the others? And then when he asked later about the barracks, why do you live here? Do you think the island really wants you to live here? Um, really questioning the things that Ben did as the leader of the others. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was in charge of the others, I would much rather live in a house than a teepee. Right, and that's what Ben was used to. Yeah. But maybe that's not what the island intends. I mean, think of how much Jacob doesn't like technology. Yeah, How much definitely. technology goes into those houses and the Hydra station. Mm-hmm. And the questions thing made me think of um, Ben's dad saying that Lafleur never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Oh. Well, maybe Locke doesn't ask a question that he knows he can't get the answer to right now. Ah. He knows... What questions are going to be answered? Uh-huh. Huh. Very interesting. I want, you know, it makes me wonder how much has John seen? If he is not technically immortal or something, can he see the future a little bit? Does he maybe know what's coming and that's how he knows what questions to ask? Is that how he knows how to get Sun and Jin back together? Yeah, that's the weird thing because it seemed like he didn't, have any memories from while he was dead, Uh you know? So it's not like he spent that time learning and having visions or anything like that. Yeah. It was just like he was unconscious, and then all of a sudden he wakes up, he's on the island, and that's it. And Locke also seems to have a lot of insight. He has a lot of insight into Ben and, you know, why are you really being judged? It's not about this. It's not about what you said. It's about your daughter. So where does he get those insights to? I I was kind of wondering, is Locke maybe judging him the whole way to the temple? Yeah, I wondered about that too. Like he's making his own judgments and maybe maybe Locke is starting to forgive him from some of the stuff. And if Locke and the smoke monster are the same, maybe that's why Smokey let him go. Yeah, that's good. You know, and, and one other thing that I was thinking of is... Locke always knew when it was going to rain, and rain always seemed so important in the past seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now it hasn't rained at all. That's true. We haven't seen it rain for a while. I don't think we've seen it rain this whole season, except for whenever whenever they're in the boat and the, the right. people are shooting at them. But right. that wasn't Locke, was it? Was he there? Yeah, he was there because they were okay. going around the island to get to the orchid to move it's, the wheel. It seems so long ago. I know. But... It hasn't been that many days that they've been back, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they just crashed maybe 24 hours because we saw Frank and Son took the boat, went over to the Big Island, and then it was night by the time they got over there, or by the time they found Christian. Mm-hmm. So that's one day, and then I'm not sure if that's the same night when they're in Ben's house, you know, when Son is yeah. in the bedroom, probably getting some better shoes from Alex because the shoes she was wearing last week or the week before, whenever we saw her last, were terrible for walking around in the jungle. Everyone seems to be dressed a lot more formally right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you're going to the island, you'd want to wear much more practical clothes, but, you know, Ben <laughs> looks more formal. Uh-huh. Locke obviously looks more formal. Sun looks yep. more formal. Yep. I noticed that t- that when I rewatched it today. 
Huh, that's interesting. Kind of like everybody's dressed up for Locke's funeral. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, we're about done here for today, so thanks for coming over, Denise. Yeah, thanks again. It's been fun, as always. I'll be back in just a moment with feedback. Lots of great feedback on this episode, but first I actually have two voicemails that I received earlier this week, um, and they have to do with whatever happened happened, but they have some excellent points that they bring up, so we're going to start off with those. Hey Anna, this is Chris in Cleveland. Um, sorry this message is kind of delayed, you probably won't even use it, but this is in regards to the whatever happened happened episode, and I just finished listening to your podcast, and I just had a couple of comments to make. Um, I really enjoyed the episode seemed very believable, everything Kate did, and seemed to tie up a lot of loose ends, so I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, one of my biggest problems, though, is hearing a lot of people complain about um, Jack uh, not helping Ben, and you know, Juliet complaining that you know they're, they didn't need to be saved and all that stuff, but from Jack's perspective and all the other Oceanic Six, they were asked to come back by by um, Locke, and that's all they know is that their friends were in trouble and they were going to die if they didn't come back. So as a matter of fact, they did ask to be saved and and to come back. So I I find that kind of annoying that they would even give Juliet that line and not have Jack somehow respond to that because it's just outright not true uh, from his perspective. And as far as Jack not saving Ben and and him getting all the blame for for Ben turning out who he is, if we're going to blame anybody, I'd actually blame Sawyer. Um, if if they were to go back in time to 1977, and all of a sudden there's little Ben, what 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 would you know? What would they expect to happen? I, I think Sawyer. It should have been up to Sawyer, or Juliet, or, or or Miles, or anybody who was there to kind of prepare the Oceanic Six for what was to come, to say, hey, uh, little Ben Linus is running around here on the island, but don't worry, he's not bad, or don't do anything, or, you know, nothing's going to happen. They, they, it should have been their job to prepare them and say and tell them all this stuff. Uh, you know, I, I don't think any blame should be laid on upon anybody, but if, it, if there is, it really should be on uh, Sawyer at all who have been on the island and who have learned that whatever has happened, happened, so... Uh, sorry this has been long, and again, you're probably not going to use it in any way, shape, or form, but uh, I enjoy the podcast and uh, look forward to hearing uh, more in the future. Bye. Thank you for calling, Chris. I like that you pointed out that from Jack's perspective, he really doesn't know the whole story. He doesn't know what's been going on on the island for three years, and so for Juliet to basically blame him for coming back to save them when they didn't need saving and didn't need rescuing, um, she's not thinking of it from his perspective that... All he knows is what he's been told and that he was asked to come back to the island and that he thinks he's supposed to do this. And um, so not helping Ben, um, he he might not see that as part of his goal. Um, and then what you said about um, blaming Sawyer for the way that Ben turns out is, is an interesting way to look at it. Um, and I think you're right that there could have been more that they did 
to prepare the people who had come back from the future on Flight 316 to meet younger Ben. I think um, they didn't have a lot of time to do any of that or to really um, acclimate them to the Dharma Initiative even, but if they had taken a few seconds, um, yeah, and thought about, okay, what is the thing that's going to shock them the most? Well, obviously they're going to be pretty shocked when they run into young Ben, so what can I say to help prepare them for this, you know, even if it's just a short little, um, short little run-in with somebody, or, you know, while they were all sitting around in the house, Miles could have explained a few more things, so, yeah, I think, I think you're right in that, and, uh, thanks for sending in your thoughts. The next voicemail refers to a email we received last week that had to do with dogs and connections with dogs on the show. Hey, Anna in Indiana. This is Dave in Detroit. And I just got done listening to your uh, Whatever Happened Happened podcast. And you were talking about Hurley and dogs. And, you know, someone emailed in what was up with that. And it just so happens yesterday I was watching a rerun of Lost. And I think it was from season two. And it's the one where uh, Son loses her wedding ring. She's trying to retrace her steps. And Hurley decides to help out. And he thinks that Vincent ate it. So they're sitting there waiting for Vincent to poop, basically. And Hurley tells Son his story about his dog and how he ate some change. And he ended up crapping out like a dollar thirty-five in nickels or something like that. And Son tells him about Boo-Poo or Bopo whatever that dog's name was, her dog back in Korea. And that's, thought I'd throw that in there, one more connection between dogs and Hurley. So that's it. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for calling in to mention those other dog references, Dave. Those are um, really great to point out. There there have been a lot of dog references, and um, Sun's dog in particular, um, Jin got that for her, if you remember, when he went to um, beat up that guy. Um, with the whole business thing for Mr. Pike, and the man sort of gave him the dog as a thank you for not beating me up in front of my family. And if I'm remembering right, when Jin enters the house, I'm not sure if it was the first time he went to deliver the message or the second time, but the family had the TV on, and I think you could see Hurley on the TV um, for winning the lottery. So there's another connection to Hurley in that whole thing, actually. So plenty of dog connections with Hurley. Uh, next up is another voicemail, and this one is from an anonymous person who forgot to leave their name. Hey, ladies. I've been, I'm a new listener to your podcast. I started listening within the last couple of weeks. I just want to say it's a very entertaining podcast and informative at times. So I just finished watching Dad is Dead, and it was a very, very good episode. I mean, I got sentimental at Ben's judgment sequence, which I thought was very well done. It kind of tied it all together. However, though, I thought that how Widmore got banished from the island was a little anticlimactic. I mean, he made it sound earlier in the season like Ben had done something nefarious or somehow tricked him to send him off the island, but I mean, just because he had a kid off the island, it sounds, it just seemed a little weak. However, I did like the build-up about Ben possibly killing Penny. I thought that was pretty good. And my favorite little part of the episode was how Ben totally owned Caesar with his own shotgun. That was just too sweet. Okay, keep up the great work on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Anonymous. Um, I, I do sort of agree with you about Widmore's banishment. It was pretty anticlimactic. I expected a bigger scene, but um, I guess there's probably a lot of it that we didn't see. Um, probably things like Widmore... Um, 
fighting with Ben being captured somehow or, you know, something going on between them. Um, maybe some fighting, yelling, who knows what, uh, who knows what else went on between them. I'm sure there must have been a lot more. So yeah, it was kind of anticlimactic. I expected um, to see him be tricked, but maybe he got tricked into leaving the island some other way. Maybe Ben made him um, confess something that was a secret or he somehow exposed him maybe and the way he'd been leaving the island so often. I mean, I'm sure people must have been aware of it. But I, I just can't think of any other way that he would trick him. Um, I also um, agree with you. The build-up about Ben possibly killing Penny was great. I thought he might have actually done it when he said to tell Desmond he was sorry. Um, and that was interesting also. He was sort of preparing himself to go down and meet the smoke monster. Didn't want to have any regrets. Although um, I'm sure there are many other things he hadn't apologized for. But, but it was interesting, you know, kind of preparing himself to face the judgment. Moving along, there were a lot of great comments on the blog this week, so I'll kick things off with the first one from Ryan in St. Louis. He says, I want to know why Smokey is not around when John Locke is around. Ben summoned the smoke monster, and John went off into the woods because he told Son he had something he had to do. Then he goes to get a rope to pull Ben up with, and Smokey comes right out of the vents. Pretty awesome depiction on the walls of Smokey versus Anubis. My guess is Smokey beat the expletive, thanks for uh, beeping yourself there, out of Anubis and tore his statue down. Wow, I need to get a life. Well, Ryan, if you need to get a life, we all need to get a life because we are definitely analyzing this show quite a bit. Um, but it's fun and um, good thoughts there. Good thoughts about um, maybe Locke is connected to the smoke monster or is just a projection of the smoke monster. Dave in Detroit asks, so are the three sixteeners infected with the same thing the French team had and where did those guns come from? My guess is the guns came from the Hydra station. Um, we saw um, one time when Jack was looking around when he was in the sort of security room and saw the um, monitoring cameras that there were guns in there and I think he picked one up at that point. So there are guns around um, some people have been saying maybe the guns were in the crate, but I don't think they were. I don't think that they've opened that big silver crate yet. As for your question about whether or not they're infected, I'm going to skip down to an email I got from Kelly from Cali. She addresses this and a few other things. Um, she says, This episode was the best episode of the season. I believe the episodes with Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson playing against each other are always riveting. I'm loving the new secure lock. I could write an epic about this episode, but I'm going to comment on two things that stood out for me. Alana and the log-carrying guy with a speaking role were acting like they were possessed. It resembled the way Danielle Rousseau perceived her team to behave when they were sick. I did not think I could feel any sympathy for Ben, but I did in this episode. It looks like Ben and Widmore both broke the rules. Alex was probably meant to die. When Ben failed his mission and claimed the island didn't want Alex to die, he was going rogue, probably for Ben the first of many times he went against the island for his benefit. Smokey gave Ben a pass, which is interesting. I guess the island feels that Ben has some more use. Alright, so I think these are great thoughts about... um. The way they were acting, like they were possessed. Alana seemed to change drastically, and maybe it was just um, circumstances and being protective of the silver box and then Caesar's um, untimely death. But um, yeah, she seemed to almost change character, and, and we've seen she's an actress, you know, she kind of seduced Saeed, and um, he fell for that, but... Um, 
she does seem to kind of have that maniacal quality about her. And so um, it's possible, I guess, that that is the sickness. I don't know where she would have caught it. And um, if it's smoke monster related, I mean, if, if we're saying Rousseau's team minus Rousseau got the sickness or Rousseau herself got the sickness and everyone else was okay, um, I don't know what we're saying. I guess um, Rousseau was just insane, in my opinion, and the rest of her team possibly got the sickness, though I don't think it's really something contagious. I think it has to do with the smoke monster, and we've never seen the smoke monster on the smaller island, so if that is the case with Alana and her friends, then I don't know how they would have gotten infected. The next comment from the blog is from Justin. He says, I don't say this lightly. I've never said it before, but this was absolutely the best episode of Lost ever. When Alana asked Lapidus what lies in the shadow of the statue, I was reminded of Kelvin and Desmond's question, what did one snowman say to the other? I think Alana was trying to determine whether Frank was in the know, whatever that might mean in this case. She is obviously connected to the island to a much greater extent than we previously thought, whether through Widmore, through Ben, or through someone else. I also thought it was interesting that Ben's secret room had a stone wall with hieroglyphics on it. This seems to indicate that Ben's house was built specifically to be connected to the more ancient elements of the island. I can only conclude that his house was not built by Dharma, who, as far as we can tell, had no knowledge of the island's secrets. I agree with you 100%, Justin. I have been thinking that. Also, um, how did Ben get this house that's connected to the little smoky summoning chamber? I don't know um, who would have built that house there, or if it used to be um, some other sort of entrance, like um, sunk down in the ground, an entrance to the cave with these runes on it, the hieroglyphics on it, um, and they just decided to build a house on top of it, but I don't know who would decide to build a house on top of the place where you summon something that can rip up trees and kill people and judge people. It does seem very strange. Um, Jason wrote and said, Charles Widmore was banished from the island via the sub and not by turning the wheel, so how much does he know about the wheel? He knows about the exit, of course, but I wonder when and how, and Ben tells him his banishment is because Charles has been going off-island and even had a child there, so I guess this is some proof that Penny was born off-island and maybe some explanation of how Charles became such a rich businessman off-island. Ooh, excellent observation there. The way we have seen Widmore and Ben's conflict in past episodes, I was of the opinion that they never liked each other. But with their first meeting, it seemed like Widmore was okay with Ben joining the others. I guess maybe he was just accepting the island's will. Young Ben remembers his dad and doesn't want to go back, but doesn't remember getting shot. And then later, when Son shows adult Ben the 1977 photo, he acts like he knows nothing about Jack and the gang ever being in the Dharma Initiative. I assume that young Ben is being truthful when talking to Widmore, but adult Ben talking to Son, I don't know. Is he lying? Another cool thing in this episode is that Ben tells Locke that he knew Locke would be alive again on the island. Then later he tells Son that he didn't know what would happen and he is very scared to see Locke alive and walking around. This may not be the first time, but I think that it is a rare time when two people ask Ben essentially the same question and he gives them both a different answer. I wonder which one is the truth. I think that what he told Son sounded more sincere. Yeah, I think I would agree with you on that, Jason. He did seem a lot more sincere. The look on his face was terror. I mean, he doesn't know what to do about Locke, I don't think. Um, I think he's wondering if he can kill him again, maybe even considering that. And I'm thinking he feels like he's out of control of this situation. He's got Locke, who's like hurting him, 
to go to the temple to be judged and um, to face this judgment that um, he has to. And I think he's just feeling pushed along and like he can't stop things once they're set in motion. A couple more quick thoughts from Jason. He pointed out a few um, great lines from this episode, Locke saying to Ben, you just make friends everywhere you go, and Frank saying, as long as a dead guy says there's a reason, then I guess everything is peachy. I love that line, too. And then he says, what lies in the shadow of the statue? Darkness, of course. What else? Ooh. Dave in Detroit wrote again on the blog and said, how about little Charlie saving Penny's life? I'm glad Ben failed and got a beatdown. Also, do you think that was really Alex or just a smoke monster incarnation like Mr. Echo's brother, Yemi? I think it was just a smoke monster incarnation or um, vision or, well, I guess it's a little bit more than a vision, though, now that I think about it, because Alex touches Ben. She shoves him against that post pretty forcefully. And before, I think we'd sort of been wondering about that. Can these apparitions of the smoke monster actually touch people because Christian didn't want to help lock up? And yet we see him holding a lantern and holding a flashlight. And so um, can they actually affect people um, by, f by touching them physically? And so I guess the answer is yes, because Alex obviously did that. Moving along down the blog, Jason wrote again and said, Can we not give Ben a little credit for deciding not to kill Penny? I think he clearly changed his mind after seeing little Charlie and was not going to go through with it before Desmond intervened with the smackdown. Yeah, I'd say give Ben credit for that. He was lowering the gun um, when Desmond hit him, and so I think that he was really changing his mind. And um, it reminded me of Sawyer as well and how um, he had that terrible situation where um his parents his mother was killed by his father and his father committed suicide right there and how he was affected by seeing his parents die in front of him like that um and ben of course wouldn't want to have that situation um for charlie and um more relevant to ben's own life is that he grew up without a mother and for him to take the life of someone else's mother, I think that really made him pause and think about what he was doing and think, wait a second, if I leave this kid with his dad, what if his dad becomes bitter? What if his dad becomes like my dad? Jason also asks, what will make Desmond go back to the island now? Before, I was thinking that if Ben does kill Penny, then Desmond would go back for revenge, but now... Yeah, it's a good question. Um, maybe Desmond still thinks that there are other people that need to be saved. I mean, this goes back to a comment earlier about um, how Jack didn't know that they didn't actually need to be saved. So maybe Desmond's in the same boat. <laughs> in the same boat. Um, yeah, our mutual friend. Um, but maybe he thinks that he still has to go back. Maybe he's frustrated and thinks that Miss Hawking didn't actually do anything or... Um, if he doesn't hear from them soon, maybe he'll start to worry and try to find his own way back to the island. Um, or maybe he wants to hunt down Ben. Maybe he thinks, okay, this guy's a threat now, and I have to take care of this threat, or my family's not going to be safe, and we're not going to live in even more fear for the rest of our lives. Justin wrote on the blog that he agrees with Jason that Ben is at his core a compassionate person. He was moved by the sight of little Charlie in the same way he was moved by baby Alex. That's a good similarity to point out. In each situation, he had gone with the intention of killing the mother and ended up deciding not to kill her out of compassion for her child. Wow, great. 
Benny D. wrote, What a great episode. I got such a kick out of watching Ben trick Caesar and then shoot him. That was the best part of the episode for me. Was it just me, or did anyone else think that 1988 Ben looked like someone out of Robin Hood just before he stole Alex? Yeah, that and the horse thing, Ben. Those were a um, couple moments that definitely kind of almost took us off the island. It felt like we were in the in the forest with Robin Hood, the way they dressed and rode horses and everything. Very interesting. Jed left some thoughts on the blog. He says, Locke's character right now is a conundrum. Is he just like Christian? Why does he disappear every time the smoke monster is around? Or supposed to be. Writers are probably just messing with us. I am not sure what to make of Locke right now. Ilana, Widmore or Island Native? Crate, bomb to end the island or Egyptian key to the island? Some good things to think about there, Jed. Um, another note, Ben attacking Desmond and Penny. The scene was really well done. I thought Desmond was dead, then remembered that he had mentioned him right before. Ben freezes when he sees Charlie, which I related to Alex, but then rethought that Ben might think Penny is playing him. I don't have a relationship to my father. Charlie, go back in. Ben might read that as the kid named after her father. Just an interesting moment. Yeah, you know what, Jed? I thought that, too, that um, Ben wouldn't know who the kid was named for, and I'm not sure if Ben was really aware of Charlie's sacrifice. I mean, I know he was around when they met at the front of the plane, um, I think at the beginning of season four, and when they had to sort of split into two camps, who was going with Locke and who was going back to the beach. And um, so that was when Hurley had to tell Claire that Charlie was dead, but I, I'm not really sure how aware Ben was of all that, so I don't think he would have been very aware of Charlie. Charlie never appeared on any lists or anything. Um, and um, just so everyone knows, that was Jed from Lost Season, Jed with Kara, a vidcast. Um, they do an initial response and sometimes another video partway through the week to uh, help us survive the week before the next episode of Lost, you can check them out at Losties with Jed and Kara, Kara spelled with a C, at blogspot.com. Peaches wrote on the blog, All of the scenes around in Under the Temple have a cartoonish feel about them. The rest of the island, especially abandoned Dharmaville, is so realistic and creepy by comparison. I thought the smoke monster was almost laughable this time. Ben is getting off easy if all he has to do is be nice to Locke. Ben did look rather disturbed at the mention of Christian's name. Yeah, that was that was definitely interesting, Peaches. It was hard to tell whether he recognized the name or not. Next on the blog, Hemisphere Dancer wrote, Loved this episode, especially Locke's attitude. He seemed almost amused when talking to Ben about being judged. When they were in Ben's house with Son and Locke told her, Ben's got something to do first, and then told Ben, Better get to it. My husband and I at the same time said, Chop, chop. Locke certainly doesn't have the fear of the monster that Ben does. That's a really good thing to point out. He is not afraid of the smoke monster. Um, although I think that dates back to season one when he had his run-in with the smoke monster and just said, I saw a bright light and it was beautiful. And when he almost got pulled down into the vent and the hole in the ground and he told Jack and Kate to just let him go and they wouldn't. Um, so yeah, Locke's, Locke's interesting that way. Hemisphere Dancer goes on to say, I am interested to see what happens between Ben being taken to the others and the time frame when he and Ethan take Alex. Charles was there, so this indicates to me that it's before the purge. So what happened with the Dharma Initiative, that Ethan was already with the others at this time? That's a good question. Um, it, it seems that the purge was in 92, at least according to Lostpedia, and the purge that we know of at least, and Charles 
most likely left the island in 84, since he's been looking for it for 20 years um, in 2004. Actually, he said the same thing for this episode, but in 2007, huh? Um, but anyway, it's an excellent question about Ethan, and how did he get to be with the others, and then how did Ben even get to be with the others and not... Um, still living with the Dharma Initiative, how would he explain that to his dad? Because um, he still seemed to have a normal life, daily life, in the Dharma Initiative at the time when he killed his father, which was in 92. So how would he explain it? I mean, maybe he pretended like he was leaving the island to go to college or something, and um, that's that's his excuse. Who knows? Um, and then to finish up, Hemisphere Dancer says, I am hatching a theory that rather than Charles and Ellie having a couple relationship, that they are perhaps brother and sister. In Jughead, the young Widmore yelled at Ellie to shut up. Something in the way he did that made me think of my own brother. I wonder, could they be fraternal twins? One of them the good twin and the other the bad twin. Ooh, interesting theory. I like that. The good twin and the bad twin. The dark and the light. They balance each other out. Excellent. Chris wrote on the blog, Who or what is Locke? Is he alive or dead? He seems so confident and knows everything now. He doesn't seem to be exactly like Christian, but he now knows so much more about the island. How did he gain this knowledge? Does it have to do with him being dead and gaining the knowledge because of it? I see the connection between him and Smokey, but I don't buy the idea that he is Smokey because he saw Smokey several times before. That's a good thing to point out, but he saw Smokey while he was alive, and now he's dead. So, um, I'm tending to think that people who die and then are seen as a manifestation of Smokey are somehow incorporated into Smokey, um, and so that anyone who dies could be a part of Smokey, potentially. Chris also asks, Based on the hieroglyphics, do you think Smokey took out the Anubis statue? It looked like some kind of confrontation happening sometime in the past. That's a good question. Or maybe um, Smokey had a fight with the actual Anubis or some other force on the island and then wanted to remove every evidence that Anubis had ever been present on the island. If you noticed, um, down underneath the temple, there were little... Um, kind of alcoves in the wall, and I kept looking at those, and I was trying to see what was in them, but it looked like just broken pieces of stone, or maybe pottery, or statues, or something, so maybe Smokey destroyed everything like that, all little statues and alcoves, and the big statue, because he was mad at Anubis, and wanted to destroy every trace, or maybe he won, and maybe that's the war that's that's going to be happening, is Anubis is trying to return to the island, and, um, Smokey doesn't want him to, and, and they're going to be the main forces fighting. I don't, that's probably way, way out there, and it's probably just me saying crazy stuff because it's after midnight. Michael wrote on the blog, Brilliant to see Alex and Rousseau again. In fact, Danielle's reappearance made me think that an episode where she records her distress message may still not be out of the question. Really glad they got rid of Caesar, and I loved how it came so out of the blue. Well, I'm I'm with you, Michael. I think it'd be really cool to see Rousseau again. I had kind of wondered how we were going to see any more of her story, and um, that was a pretty natural and easy way for them to just slip that in there. That was really great, I thought. 
CokeLogic sent in an email, and he has a lot of great thoughts, so here are some of them. Um, it's starting to seem as if the rules are made by the others and not set by some cosmic God-given laws. The rules were brought up a lot in this episode, but always seem to pertain to a code of the community. Nothing supernatural. Examples, protect the island, don't kill an other, or don't start families with people from the outside. Ben killed Locke to take his place as the person to bring the Oceanic Five back. Ben had no idea Locke would come back to life, so getting the information and going to Hawking was a trick to return to the island. This is nearly confirmed when Ben calls Widmore to gloat about how he found a way back where Charles failed. Summoning the smoke monster is much like flushing a toilet and yelling into the bowl. Yeah, that's a pretty succinct way of describing it. Finally, and tragically, one of my favorite theories is not looking so good after this episode. This would be the alternate 2007 theory. Little Ben lives, and Old Ben moves the others into the barracks after the purge. I'd love to deny it, but Ben's stuff is there. There is still no explanation of why the numbers are playing again, or why the windows are boarded up, but it seems this is the original 2007 timeline. Yeah, Coke Logic, it does seem that we do have to um, admit that what happened happened and the original timeline is still in place which i believe the writers have been saying all along so um it looks like we could trust the writers on this one and beth wrote in with some really great observations she says don't know if it's significant but feet were a big theme in this episode they made it a big point that Locke changed or put on or off his that is christian shoes and when charles arrives in the beginning of the episode the camera shows his feet first and Locke puts his feet on ben's desk again with the shoes that's a great observation Anne beth i had also noticed that when he was sitting on the dock putting the shoes on after he got out of the boat with ben and uh there are the feet again showing up um yeah great uh she also says they made it a big point that Ben drank water. Maybe it's a hint to their canoe with a water bottle, but they docked at, well, the dock, not the beach, so that's weird. Water seemed to be a big symbol, just like earlier seasons. Lock in the water, Ben drinking water, the weird water draining in Ben's secret room, Ben falling in the water after Desmond hit him. Fire seemed a big theme, too. The torches got abnormally much screen time. From the making, to the lighting, to being blown out, to being lit again, like the lantern in Jacob's cabin. Wow, great observations about the fire and the water. Hey, that's the name of a lost episode. Uh, she also says, Why did Charles want Danielle, and Alex for that matter, killed? I have no idea. She was clearly no threat. I was really feeling sorry for her. I cried when Ben took the baby. But when it became clear that Ben didn't know that Danielle had a baby, the act seems less cruel. That's a good question, Beth, about why did Charles want Danielle dead so much? Um, did they kill everyone who came to the island who didn't belong there? Um, and it seems like they had been on the island for weeks already before this encounter. Um, enough time for all the other bad things to happen to Rousseau and her team and for her to give birth. And then I have to wonder why are they less tolerant then than they were before? I mean, before they were tolerant enough to let the Dharma Initiative set up on the island, how could they even tolerate these outsiders? I mean, I guess they ended up doing the purge eventually because they must have decided they didn't want them there or they weren't getting along or something just went really wrong. But why, if they know they feel this strongly about outsiders, that they had rules um, probably dating back to pre-Dharma times or around the beginning of the Dharma Initiative on the island, judging from Penny's age, if they already had this rule about how they're supposed to associate with outsiders, then um, 
why wasn't this more important to them all along? Why did they even let the Dharma Initiative set up camp on the island? There must have been some really convincing reason. And Beth also writes, How does Locke know about the temple and how to get to Jin in 1977? He can't really know that without some supernatural island info uploading when he was brought back to life. Maybe something similar happened to Richard, who also seems to know much about the island. Richard didn't seem to approve of Ben taking Alex. Maybe it was an indication for him that Ben would have difficulties putting the island's needs before his own needs. Richard acting like a happy, mooded, normal person to little Alex is strange for some reason out of character. Yeah, the, I think you're referring to the scene where he came up and she was being pushed on the swing and, and he just said something kind of cutesy. Um, it, it did seem a little weird, but we haven't really seen him interact with children and knowing that he's pretty much ancient, kind of um, makes an interesting contrast when he does interact with kids. And um, I don't think I quite agree that Richard didn't approve of Ben taking Alex. His face was really hard to read at that point, but I thought that he almost kind of turned the corners of his mouth up as if he was saying, hey, I approve of what you did. I think you are right to save the life and um, confront Widmore about that and challenge him on that. Role reversal with Ben and Locke. Ben injured his leg. Locke tried to find something to help him. First, Locke injured his leg in the hatch, and it also reminded her of Locke falling into the well. Great parallels to point out. And final thought from Ann Beth. It was weird that when the smoke monster scanned Ben about Alex, it only punished him by pretending to be her. But there was no kind of real judgment. It was more about Locke. It seems to have a personality. I found that very interesting. Ooh, smoke monster having a personality. So does it have its own personality, or does it have a mixture of all the personalities of all the people that it represents? Or, um, like I think I said earlier, if it takes all these people who die somehow, or all the ones that it wants anyway, if it takes, I don't know, their soul or their spirit or something, and incorporates them all into itself, then does it take little bits and pieces of everyone's personality? Well, I'm starting to think about the Borg Collective, so I should probably just move on. Um, a great email I received from Clara with some thoughts about Anubis first. Um, he was the conductor of souls to the underworld. He places the heart on scales. The scales um, tell if the person's good deeds outweighed his bad deeds. So it seems that um, if the soul is found to be more wicked than good, Anubis feeds the soul to Amit. And this results in total annihilation of the person. There's no hope for further existence. So um, this relates to Ben's judgment. And he was not killed. He was allowed to go on existing. Uh, it also seems that if people weren't buried properly, there was a fear that Anubis would come and eat the body. Which I believe you had mentioned something about people being buried on the island. Yeah, I think and also about not staying buried on the island. The hope of mummification was so that there might be a possibility to come back. Is the smoke monster Jacob as well? Since, like you said, we assume the smoke monster was Yemi, I think it's not hard to guess that Christian is also the monster, and thereby Jacob as well. Can the monster be more than one person at a time, like Christian and Claire? It's an interesting question. We haven't seen, I don't think we've seen the smoke monster manifest itself in more than one place at a time. Um, we haven't seen this resurrected Locke, if he is a smoke monster, I don't know, but we have seen him and Christian at the same time. Um, I want to know if he 
didn't show up on the beach until after Sun and Frank crossed over to the Big Island. I'm not really sure on the timeline for that and how the timing would work, but it could be that they ran into Christian that night and then the next day Locke appeared or Locke just appeared on the beach as soon as Frank and Sun went off on their own and so they missed him by a few minutes or something. I'm, I'm not really clear on that. Here's another good question from Clara. What is in the huge box that Ilana had? I'm guessing it's not River, which is a Firefly reference for all you Firefly fans out there. I was actually explaining that to Denise earlier. Maybe it is for the war. I'm pretty sure that they are working for Widmore. It makes sense that Saeed would be with her because he doesn't like Ben, so if he's in the past, maybe he will go to Widmore and then help him. What lies in the shadow of the statue? Would Ben know the answer to that question? You could say Jughead lies in the shadow. But you could say the statue has no shadow because it's just a foot. So is the rest of the statue somewhere else and you have to know what lies in that shadow? Maybe the statue is in the temple. That's a good question. Maybe it's not the statue that we are all automatically thinking of and that is a very good thing to think about. Here's the last email, last but not least. It's from Ryan in St. Louis who um, last week wrote in with questions about the CGI fly and the dog on the sweatshirt. And this week he has another question that um, definitely makes us think back on, on other things and um, keep working on some of these older theories that we have. He says, This week my troubles lie with the bodies of Adam and Eve that were found in the caves. I want to try to think like the writers would, and I think it would be much too easy to make them Rose and Bernard. I'm going to take a stab at a crazy theory and say that one of the bodies is indeed your favorite surgeon and mine, Jack. No physical evidence that I found by watching the episode, just a hunch. I feel that the backgammon pieces symbolize opposites, just as we see most of our losties going through right now. Sawyer, turning from rebel into leader. Jack, turning from man of science into man of faith. Plus, the series began with Jack waking up in the jungle on his back. I'm thinking the series will end with Jack dying in the caves on his back. I know this is pretty out there, but I'd like your take on who you think Adam and Eve are. Well, um... I used to be more of the opinion that they're Rose and Bernard. At the very least, I think that they're going to be someone that we know. And I think, um, I hope we'll be surprised. Um, it's hard to say pleasantly surprised when you're talking about people dying. But um, I, I hope it's, it's a, a good surprise. Um, the saddest thing that I can think that it would be would be Sun and Jin. If somehow they finally met up but got stuck in the past or had some sort of accident, and they ended up there. That, I think, is the saddest thing that I can think of. A little less sad would be if it were Jack, maybe Jack and Kate, Jack and Juliet, or um, something like that. And then the least sad, I think, because it's the most obvious, would be Rose and Bernard. So those are my best guesses. If anyone else has a guess that they want to send in, um, go ahead and do that. Um, contact information... You can find me on the web at annainindiana.wordpress.com. You can always leave a comment on the blog. All the contact information is on the blog under the tab Contact. You can call and leave a voicemail anytime at 646-495-9205 and then dial extension 35382. And you can send me an email at anna.in.indiana at gmail.com and of course those things are on the blog and you can also follow me on Twitter if you like um, my name is echobase77 Denise is also on Twitter her name is sharp cheddar like the cheese 
so feel free to get in touch with us any way you want. I love the Twitter conversations that go on um, after Lost airs. People trying to get all their thoughts into 140 characters is quite interesting, but there are some actually good theories that I, I see going around on Wednesday nights. Well, this episode is already running quite a bit longer than normal. Um, I'm going to do really quick character awards, and then we will wrap up and get out of here. Um, the character awards from last week were interesting. It was between Jack and Kate, which um, for a lot of people, these aren't their favorite characters, but they did exhibit quite a bit of character growth in the episode that we saw last week. And so they were our nominees. Jack was the nominee because he was becoming a man of faith and exhibiting that. And Kate was a nominee because she acted selflessly. She gave blood for Ben and did other things to try to save his life. Um, and there were some interesting comments that I'm sorry we don't have time to read. The first couple people were pointing out that they would rather vote between Sawyer and Juliet and not have to vote for either Jack or Kate at all, so um, that was interesting. But it seems that most people favored Kate, and she won 71-29% to 29% in this character award. So um, good for Kate. I think she really did show a lot of growth, and um, we got to see... A much better side of her. For this week I have two people to nominate. Um, Denise helped me think of these so thanks to Denise. The first person is Penny um, for thinking of Charlie and putting his safety first. She was begging Ben not to hurt her son. She wasn't thinking of herself. And then the other person is Ben for passing the island's judgment which um, you guys decide what that means. Does that mean that he is actually showing good character. Is he really repentant for letting his daughter die? Is he changing his ways a little bit? Or is he still going to be Ben? Do you think that um, just because he passed the Smoke Monster's judgment that we should give him a character award or not? So those are the two nominees for this week. And the poll will be up on the blog, so you can access that there. And please feel free to leave any comments or ideas that you have about that. So that pretty much wraps things up for this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for emailing and calling and getting in touch in all the ways that you guys do. Um, it's really great. It's really encouraging. And I will see you back here next week for the next episode of Lost. in this episode was provided by the pod show pod safe music network check them out at music.podshow.com Some people have speculated that you can... <laughs> <laughs> Denise, what lies in the shadow of the statue? Toenail polish. You think? <laughs> what? <laughs>